It's 11.30 here on this Wednesday, the 21st day of April. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We've got a great show coming up for you here as we officially start midday. Jason Jorgensen stepping in as uh, we'll have more on sports, in particular uh, Husker volleyball players uh, being awarded. We'll hear more on that. Bob Brogan will tell us how stocks are performing here midweek so far. And, of course, there is, as I've mentioned before, another chance of snow coming up later today and into tomorrow for our region. Paul Perkins will fill us in in about 15 minutes. But let's catch up with her own Susan Littlefield as she is on the road today getting set for our upcoming Rural Radio Forum next month. And, uh, Susan, you have a little preview about uh, who you interviewed. Yeah, I got a chance to talk with the Columbus Fire Department's Chief, Dan Miller, and I uh, got to walk around and check out their brand-new fire station as well. But it's pretty cool. They have 15 paid guys that do both um, firefighting and paramedic, and then they've got 40-plus volunteers that work as well. He gives a perfect example. They had three calls back-to-back the other day, and they required and needed those volunteers to help fill two of those calls hmm. while the careers were out on another one. Hmm. We look forward to the interview. Quickly, uh, tell us what the forum next month is about. Then the forum next month, we're going to be focusing on rural fire departments, rural EMS, and how it's a huge effect and bonus to those in the rural communities. Hmm. You can catch it 3 o'clock on the 4th of May. Right. Or as Jason would say, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> That's right. We look forward to that. I think it's going to be a very informational forum coming up. Uh, but what do you have coming up for midday today? You bet. We'll kick it off here at 1219 with Clay, the Nebraska Auctioneers Contest. I'm kind of hoping he threw his name in the hat for that. That'll be taking place at 1219 with more details. Then at 1245, we'll be talking with the farm rescue folks. They are doing Operation Hay Lift. That is underway right now. Remember, they brought hay to Nebraska. Hopefully, we can be able to reciprocate in some ways. Then wrapping it all up, our Women in Ag series, as Macy Mueller joins us. She originally, she's a Nebraska State FFA uh, state officer and now working on her Ph.D. at California Davis. So she'll talk about some genetic research that she's doing. All right, sounds good. All that and more coming up on Midday. Appreciate it, Susan, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. All right, sounds good. Thanks. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jordan in sports. Husker volleyball players uh, being recognized for their talents. Yeah, three made uh, or were named All-American this morning, as you might expect. Lawrence Difference, Nicklin Hames, and Lexi Sun. We'll tell you more about that. Also, uh, Bo Pelini hasn't been the coach at Youngstown State for a while, but some of his misdeeds there are following him and that program. They were put on probation yesterday basically because uh, when Pelini was there with two of his assistants, they decided they were too busy to take the certification test, which is required for off-campus recruiting. Now that has Youngstown State in a little bit of uh, hot water. Uh, not surprised by that. I was that. getting ready to say, not a surprising no. uh, revelation there. Although I saw one place that said you'd have to recruit first in order for there to be a violation. <laughs> but and I'll just Yikes. let that sit there. Yikes. We'll uh, leave it there on that. All right. Here's Bob Broken. Can you follow up on that? No, I can't. <laughs> but Bo Pelini is on the phone. Okay. Just yeah, saying. That's true. It is ringing. Anyway, uh, stocks mostly higher in trading on Wall Street. Also... Um, Small businesses are practically posting help-wanted signs as the economy moves more towards normalcy. Details on those stories coming up. Okay, all that and more coming up on Midday. 
field work is in full swing, and we know you're in the tractor from sunup to way past sundown. KRVN, the River, and Cami are geared up for 2021 spring breaks. We'll be the ones driving up in a vehicle from Pony Express, Chevrolet, and Buick, Gothenburg, and Pony Express Ford, Minden, bringing you a hot meal from Skeeter Barnes, the best Nebraska corn-fed beef, and slow-smoked barbecue in Kearney. Time for regional ag weather updates here on this Wednesday. It's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Paul Perkins joining us. And Paul, you and I were just looking at some of the temperatures, the lows, and they were lows <laughs> uh, for some of Nebraska from last night and this morning. Yeah, we have some teens and much of the Nebraska panhandle. Even some portions of west central Nebraska into northwest Kansas had some temperatures get down into the teens. The chilliest in the region was nine above in the Alliance area for an overnight low. Uh, a lot of us escaped the real chill of last night. Still got into a hard freeze level into the mid to upper 20s thanks to some cloud cover moving in and those winds staying up there but uh, definitely too chilly for this time of year yeah nine above <laughs> listen it's april 21st come on now that's too cold yeah we're in late april here we're some springtime finally and a month into spring here all right and unfortunately uh we still have a chance for more snow here yeah. in our area and not going to be a big system maybe a you know some light accumulations or just on grassy areas and probably even not as impactful as what we saw yesterday today but we could see a little bit of light rain and snow start to move into western areas for tonight and then across the central and east for tomorrow we are starting to see some clouds form across central and east areas of nebraska right now but right now the outlook is for it to stay dry for today but some of that precipitation could be moving in later on tonight into tomorrow Mostly dry today. Temperatures still going to be cooler than average, but a little bit of a uh, increase in temperatures from the last couple of days. Yes, definitely uh, some light at the end of the tunnel, especially as we head towards the weekend. Uh, temperatures right now pretty much in the upper 30s to the low 40s across the area. And once again, we are starting to see some of those puffy clouds form across central and east areas of Nebraska, especially along and east of a line from about Valentine to Lexington, and especially to the north of I-80. High pressures overhead for today giving us some mostly sunny skies some clouds mixing with the sun at times temperatures slightly warmer than yesterday but our temperatures today still about 15 degrees cooler than usual scattered rain and snow is possible with the disturbance in western areas tonight then across the central and east as we head towards tomorrow any of the rain or snow amounts expected to be on the very light side south winds will gust to 30 tomorrow as we sit between low pressure over the rockies and high pressure to the east so the south winds helping to warm temperatures up a little bit more but will still be 10 degrees below average. A little more light rain could occur with another disturbance as we head towards tomorrow night, but all in all, no major weather makers on the way. Our temperatures warm to seasonal for Friday and Saturday with the building ridge of high pressure. With that high pressure ridge overhead, Sunday and Monday will be the warmest of the next seven days with highs up around 80. Going to be a big switch in our forecast, about 30 degrees warmer than what we're seeing right now. South winds breezy with the approach of low pressure. Could even see some thunderstorms by Tuesday. In the long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska and Kansas through the early half of next week. Temperatures trend to seasonal levels by late next week through the first four days of next month. The early half of next week, the Kansas and Nebraska outlook indicates below normal rainfall for the early half of next week. But by late next week through May 4th, Nebraska and Kansas precipitation expected to be near normal. Soil temperatures four inches down at seven this morning, mostly in the upper 30s. There were soil temperatures in the low 40s from the Tri-Cities into southeast Nebraska and over central and east Kansas. Key weather factors in the markets include intense cold in the central U.S., 
and also varying amounts of rain for Brazil's winter corn. On the plains, freezes this morning were reported as far south as Abilene, Texas, where the low of 32 set a new record. Goodland, Kansas, recorded a record low for the second morning in a row, got down to 18. That cold weather continues to pose a threat to winter wheat, which is 41% headed in Texas, 17% headed in Oklahoma. Half of the Kansas winter wheat is jointed. Midwest temperatures may have been low enough to damage winter wheat also in any emerged corn. Widespread freezes will occur again tomorrow morning across the northern two-thirds of the central and U.S., central and eastern U.S., further threatening the winter wheat and emerged summer crops. Late in the weekend and early next week, a warmer trend taking place from the plains eastward. In the southern plains wheat areas, the system next week may bring some widespread showers and even some precipitation to drought areas. That system, though, may also bring a threat to produce severe thunderstorms. For the northern plains, showers have started to move back in to their area, but the amount's not enough to reduce the drought. A system next week will be watched in the northern plains that may produce some moderate rain. Brazil's primary central and southern crop areas will see only light rain the next seven days. The end of the rainy season appears to be starting for central Brazil. Unfavorable weather for the second crop corn, which was largely planted later than average. So probably by the end of this weekend, this weekend uh, might be a good time to start planning for those that have been waiting. Um, planning, form planning, or, or just planting, just in general. Yeah, uh, probably going to be needed to wait because those soil temperatures still okay. been on the okay. low side. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but yeah, soil temperature is definitely going to get a nice boost as we head towards the weekend. Well, when you have eighty degrees Sunday <laughs> and Monday by yeah. next week, I suppose yeah. you may have a better chance as well. That'll certainly help. Exactly, and it looks like the, we may start to avoid at least sharp cold waves across the area. All right, let's hope so. <laughs> I think we're all over it. So, uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody go? Weather page krvn.com. All right, thank you. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Now, we've talked about talking fast and selling items, the upcoming Nebraska Auctioneers Convention. But what about the Nebraska Auctioneer Contest? Yes, you've got to find out who the best of the best is when it comes to calling bids, and that's going to be occurring in conjunction with the first day of the Nebraska Auctioneers Convention. That's April the 30th. It's a Friday being held in Hastings, Nebraska. So we're going to learn more about the auction contest. We talk with Vice President of the Nebraska Auctioneers Association and Chairman of the Auction Contest. Test committee, and that is Scott Jarman. Scott, we appreciate your time today and being able to talk with us. I think the best place for us to start is just right at square one. How does an auctioneer contest work, and what are the judges going to be looking for in this contest? Thank you, Clay. Any member of the Nebraska Auctioneers Association is participating in this contest. There is a check-in, so all contestants are required to check-in at the auction starting at 10 a.m. and no later than 11 a.m. to receive their identification badges, and then we will draw for their order uh, in the auction competition. Now, each contestant will draw for their order. Each contestant must appear on stage as his or her name is called by the Master of Ceremonies. A panel of elected judges for the contest will score auctioneer contestants in the following categories. Contestants will be judged on appearance and poise. Introduction and Command, Salesmanship, Eye Contact, Body Language and Crowd Survey, Their Chant, the clarity, speed, and rhythm of their chant, and the judge's decision is final. Now, when it comes to Ringman contestants, they will be scored on appearance, enthusiasm, salesmanship, eye contact, and crowd survey. Effective communication of buyer participation to the auctioneer. Now, during the contest, in the first round of auctioneer competition, each contestant will sell three items. Two of the three items will be furnished by the contestant. Judges will select the top 
10 contestants to advance to the finals. In the case of a tie, all contestants tied for the last position will be eligible to participate in the finals. During the final round, each contestant will participate in a short interview and sell two items. Finalists are sequestered during the interview portion of the contest. The results of each contestant's individual scoring will be mailed to them. During the ringman competition, each contestant will work with at least two auctioneers, and there may be an interview question asked of the ringman participants also. The winner of the auction competition will receive an entry fee to the 2022 International Auctioneers Championship valued at $500 and $500 prize money and a belt buckle. The reserve champion will receive $300 prize money, and the runner-up will receive $200 prize money. All will receive a plaque, including the top rookie, which is uh, someone that has three years of auction auctioneering experience or less. The Ringman competition winner will receive the John Moravec Memorial Ringman Award and a plaque sponsored by Moravec Auction Company. Again, this is happening the first day of the Nebraska Auctioneers Convention. Now, Scott, in your personal experience, have you competed in an auctioneer contest? And, and kind of what were some of the things you took away from it? What would be some of your advice to competitors? In 2018, I was the Nebraska Auctioneers Association Reserve Champion Auctioneer and the 2018 Morvik Ringman Champion. Any advice I would give to competitors is to relax and have fun and enjoy the process and learn from the experience. Scott, we've covered quite a bit of information about the contest, about things to consider for the contestants and more, but I want to make sure, do you think we've overlooked any important information or final or closing thoughts for our interview? Clay, I want to make sure that everyone understands that this contest is conducted as a real live bona fide auction. The auction is open to the public and all the sales are considered bona fide actual sales. If anybody has any questions about the auction and ringman championship contest, they can call me at any time on my cell at 402-906-0264. Again, we've been talking with Scott Jarman, Nebraska Auctioneers Association Vice President and Chairman of the Auctioneer Contest. I have a few more questions for Scott. If you'd like to hear those, check out the full length interview with no interruptions at ruralradionetwork.com. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, three Nebraska volleyball players have been named to the American Volleyball Coaches Association All-American team. Lauren Stiffens earned first-team Hames earned second-team honors, while Lexi Sun took in third-team accolades. Well, Youngstown State football was placed on probation for two years and hit with recruiting sanctions by the NCAA this week after the school and the association agreed to several rules violations which were committed under former head coach Bo Pelini. The school agreed that it failed to monitor its football program. When Youngstown State found out that Pelini and two assistants had not taken the certification test required for off-campus recruiting, that resulted in permissible contacts with 16 prospects and impermissible evaluations of two more back during the 2019-2020 season. Well, it sounds like Mike Tomlin will be sticking around with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Club announced its longtime coach has signed a contract extension that runs through the 2024 season. Tomlin is 145-78-1 in 14 years with the Steelers with one Super Bowl victory. The deal means he will likely be a part of a process whenever quarterback Ben Roethlisberger opts to retire. Well, Iman Freeney has been hired to replace Ryan Jones as a head football coach at Maxwell High School. Feeney is a 2008 graduate of Maxwell who went on to play college football at Doan. He's been a teacher and a coach in Minden, Wilbur Clay Tony, and most recently 
at Sydney. And the Tri-City Storm begins a final week of play in the regular season tonight with a midweek game at Sioux City. The Storm needs just one point in the standings over the remaining three games of the season to clinch a Western Conference regular season championship for the fourth time in organization history. Puck will drop tonight at 7.05. And due to the forecast, which looks a little rough tomorrow, the Gothenburg golf invite, that's now been postponed until Tuesday, May 4th. That is a look at sports or more. You can find that anytime at krbn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. It's time for Midday News. Dave Schroeder has stepped into the studio and... Well, Dave, there's uh, been more talks uh, from Lincoln now about a possible new prison being built here in Nebraska. Absolutely. Lawmakers have given final approval to the state's $9.7 billion budget package. The package includes $100 million in general funds to the Nebraska Capital Construction Fund to be available for the legislature to appropriate for a new state prison, should one be deemed necessary in the future. Senator Megan Hunt of Omaha wasn't in favor of funds for the prison, criticizing lawmakers for incarcerating more people without addressing concerns about racial justice. This commitment or non-commitment of $130 plus million for a new prison illustrates just how quick we are to throw money away at the problem and flirt with the idea of a new prison. But why not spend that money for affordable housing, for health care? for food assistance, for education, for the things that our constituents consistently tell us that they want. The budget lays the groundwork for a new $230 million prison, devoting $15 million to the planning, design, and site selection for a prison, but without committing the state to the project. It also puts aside $15 million for prison alternatives and programs. Kozad and Gothenburg are big winners as recipients of recent grants under the 2020 round of Nebraska's Rural Workforce Housing Fund. Kozad Development Corporation Executive Director Jen McCune says it's a dollar-for-dollar dollar match. So we set aside some money through Kozad Development Corporation, and we also partnered with the city of Kozad and the Kozad Housing Authority, who contributed to our matching funds. And then we received another grant through NIFA. And so we were able to raise through NIFA and our local partners $700,000 then, which made us eligible for the $700,000 grant. McCune says that means COSAD now has a total of $1.4 million available for housing. She says the city is already invested in putting in the infrastructure for a subdivision in the northeast part of COSAD and is now waiting for builders and housing developers to take advantage of the funds to build and rehabilitate housing. Gothenburg is also the recipient of a similar $850,000 grant using a Gothenburg Improvement Company local match of $950,000. U.S. regulators say the Baltimore factory contracted to make Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine was dirty, didn't follow proper manufacturing procedures, and had poorly trained staff. 
The problems resulted in contamination of a batch of material that was going to be put into the shots. The Food and Drug Administration has released a report detailing findings of its recent inspection of the now idle Emergent Biosciences Factory. J&J and Emergent say say that they're working to fix the problems. Nothing made at the factory for J&J has been distributed yet. And that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. Getting planters ready to hit the field to delivering hay to those in need. That's the focus right now of Farm Rescue. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dan Erdman is Farm Rescue's program manager, and he and I caught up this morning about work being done this week to get some fields planted for producers in need. It's been getting our own equipment ready uh, for the field here for when things are ready to go. And it looks like uh, our first case should be kicking off any day here. Uh, the ground was still a little wet yesterday, but, um, you know, we have a couple cases that, that should be starting this week. And then we're going to be, you know, busy throughout the next couple months here, just uh, kind of going hot and heavy and, and helping all those folks that are, again, going through an injury and illness or natural disaster you know, a lot of a lot of heartbreaking stories uh, coming our way already, and applications from folks that, you know, may have you know been injured on the farm or, or going through cancer treatments. Um, you know, we have a severe drought in in the western Dakotas, which is part of our service territory. So, just a lot of a lot of people in need, and uh, and that's why we're here. We just want to help carry them through hopefully a short-term crisis to to keep them doing what they want to do long-term. Literally, you guys are just a a mouse click or a phone call away to get the ball rolling on that application for assistance. Absolutely, yeah. If you're you're a farmer that uh, is in need of of planting assistance this spring, uh, again, if you're going through an unexpected injury, injuries happen all the time on the farm, and this is one of those times a year when, uh, you know, people are getting things ready and, um, you know, the work is getting a little harder, I think. Uh, accidents happen. Uh, and so we just want people to know that that's why we're here. We just, uh, you know, we want to help you get through that and, and keep you doing what you love to do long term. So, uh, like you said, it's it's very simple process to, to apply and we actually do take referrals. So if if you know of a family member or a neighbor or a friend that's going through uh, again, injury, illness, or natural disaster, and could use uh, a hand up with spring planting uh, or haying or harvest uh, this year, uh, just go to farmrescue.org. You can refer them uh, through the website, uh, or if you're family in need, you can fill out an application right there on the website as well. You talked about, uh, obviously, you guys go beyond just planting your livestock care as well. And I wanted to talk about Operation Haylift, which is underway right now. There's some volunteer opportunities. There's some assistance monetarily that folks can do. Let's talk about what you guys are doing. Yeah. So as I mentioned, our kind of our main services are the planting, haying, harvest, and, and livestock feeding assistance and then every so often, um, there's a, a campaign that we'll uh, initiate called Operation Hayleft. Um, and that's mainly just what it sounds like. It's hauling hay to, to ranchers in need. Um, and so right now there's uh, some severe drought in the western Dakotas and eastern Montana. So we've once again initiated this Operation Hayleft. It's it's something that we, we started back in 2017 and into 2018, kind of for similar circumstances in the western Dakotas, a severe drought. But then it's something that we did again in the spring of 2019 to haul hay to, to some of the ranchers in Nebraska that had been affected by, you know, catastrophic flooding, as I'm sure you, you remember that. 
Um, and so this is, you know, the third installment, I guess, of Operation Haylift. And, and just like you said, uh, kind of the big things to, to make this a success are first and foremost, you know, monetary donations for this specific cause to, you know, help our, our volunteers, you know, it's with, uh, with food, with uh, lodging for them. Um, they're going to be on the road a lot the next few months here. And, you know, we have our own trucks um, to haul the hay, but that's the next biggest hurdle for us because so many ranchers are in this kind of the same situation in the Western Dakotas and Eastern Montana. We know that a lot of that hay is going to have to come from, from outside of that area. And so we're also asking for, you know, hay donations. So if you have, uh, a load of, of round bales that, uh, that you might be willing to part with for this, uh, for this purpose. You know, we'd love to hear from you, um, and, and get that connected with some of the folks that are, you know, really struggling out, uh, in those drought areas of the Western Dakotas and Eastern Montana. And then, like you said, we're also looking for volunteers to keep those trucks moving. Um, uh, we do require, you know, CDL to, to be able to do that. And, and thankfully we have, you know, a, a large volunteer family already that's that's willing to step up. But this is one of those things that it may last, you know, several weeks, several months even. So um, the more volunteers we have signed on for this purpose, the, you know, the more loads that we can haul to, to some of these ranchers in need. Wonderful. Mike, you said you were here for Nebraskans. Now it's time for, for Nebraskans, if they can, to give back and help as well. You can find out more details, farmrescue.org. Where do they go from there? You know, uh, we... And we'd love to hear from you first and foremost. I think if you have a hay donation, the best way to, to get a hold of us is, uh, you can uh, email our field operations manager directly. His name is Neil Simons. So if you, if you want to reach out to him first and foremost, if you have that hay that you're willing to part with, um, his email address is just neil at farmrescue.org, uh, N-E-I-L at farmrescue.org, or you can give him a call at 701-212-3851. Uh, but, you know, if you just want to contact uh, our, our general line, too, it's uh, info at farmrescue.org. Or uh, you can, like I said, refer family in need, too, at, uh, at that same website, farmrescue.org. That is Dan Erdman. He is Farm Rescue's program manager. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for Wednesday, I'm Bob Bergen. Stocks are mostly higher in afternoon trading on Wall Street as investors continue to work through company earnings reports and closely watch the bond market. Netflix led a decline in communications sector stocks with a drop of 7.3%. The video streaming pioneer disappointed investors Tuesday with its latest report on subscriber additions, which came in below its own forecasts. Much of the market's focus over the next two weeks will be on individual company stocks and how well their quarterly results turn out. This week, roughly 80 members of the S&P 500 are due to report, as well as one out of every three members of the Dow. It looks like something to celebrate. Small businesses posting help-wanted signs as the economy edges towards normalcy. Instead, businesses are having trouble filling the jobs which in turn hurts their ability to keep up with demand for their products or services. Owners say that some would-be workers are worried about catching COVID-19 or prefer to live off unemployment benefits that are significantly higher amid the pandemic. 
The U.S. is set to meet President Biden's latest vaccine goal of administering 200 million coronavirus shots in his first 100 days in office as the White House steps up its efforts to inoculate the rest of the public. A White House official says Biden plans to say in a speech today that the U.S. will surpass that shot goal this week, with more than 50 percent of adults at least partially vaccinated The president will reflect on his efforts to expand vaccine distribution and access in his first three months in office. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. back to our Women in Ag series. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. This report is being brought to you by the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture. Going from a state FFA officer to working on her PhD in California, nothing stops Macy Mueller. Macy was nominated by her father-in-law, Con, and said even though she's in California, she's heavily involved in her family's annual production sale each March. He went on to say how proud he is of her and all she has accomplished so far. She talks about this journey from Nebraska to California. Yeah, that has been quite the journey. Um, So definitely learned um, a lot of my leadership and public speaking and time management and just all those kind of skills that I really need to be successful um, in grad school throughout experiences like the FFA and working with the um, National Junior Angus Association and just all of those really great agricultural organizations that I've had an opportunity to be a part of. And so I first went and got my um, bachelor's degree in animal science and a minor in political science, actually, um, from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. So go Big Red always. Um, and now I find myself at the University of California, Davis, um, and I've actually earned my master's already and am currently working on my Ph.D. in animal biology. And I have the privilege of working with Dr. Allison Van Enenem here at UC Davis. And um, my research is, is really focused on livestock genetics and really specifically how we can apply genetic-based biotechnologies, like kind of a hot topic right now is one called gene editing, and seeing how we can use this tool to really improve livestock production, including animal health and welfare and production efficiency. So I'm really excited to be working in this um, cutting edge and really innovative field. Well, your father-in-law says, he said, quote, I'm sure she will have a profound effect on beef producers worldwide upon graduation, but it sounds like you might already be having some influence right now. Well, I sure hope so. Um, every day that I'm working on my research, I really have that, that end goal of how can this help um, livestock producers in mind. And so that's, what, that's really what, what drives um, my, my research and ultimate career goals. You've got some amazing, strong Nebraska roots. How did that develop you into the person you are today? I don't even know where to begin, really. I mean, um, it really all started with being being raised and being part of a first-generation uh, seed stock cattle operation in Princeton, Nebraska, so that's the southeast part of the state. Um, and I really got to be an integral part all throughout that because my, my parents, as a first-generation operation, started with just six registered Angus females, um, right when I was born, and as our herd grew, so so did our family. So I'm I'm the oldest of 
four children, and we were we were really the the main labor force. Um, another one of my main roles on our ranch was to um, keep records of the production performance data that's important to submit to the American Angus Association, and that helps improve genetic prediction. And by the way, Macy's listening to this interview all the way in California, and we can't wait for her to get closer to her doctorate graduation to share with us the research that she's doing on genetics. This report is being brought to you by Tyson. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. This Playpen on the World Radio Network as we check in on the closing grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, we get out the latest from AgRule and other uh, looks at the South American crop. We continue to see that Safrina decline all the way from 92% good to excellent down to 62% good to excellent there in Peronara. So as we continue to see that, really, we push these front months contracts higher and higher. It's still now the time to be keeping a close eye on those deferred new crop 21 and new crop 22 contracts yeah i I think the the dynamic here is it's really tough to understand you know i mean we're how quickly things have changed and i mean the demand side is going to have to adjust at some point i don't know if they're going to do it at this price though so near term you know this is nuts but may contract has a shot here it's trading 526 today you have you have resilient uh, offers up near seven. So, you know, theoretically, if the U.S. doesn't want to get a lot of export business here, they're going to need to shut down, uh, you know, and get up at least close to that price. And then you have next year's crop, which, you know, a lot of the Safrina corn is going to help the U.S. use its own supply so we don't have to export so much. Well, I think that's not going to happen anymore. So changes the dynamic now of what, you know, wheat markets are going to look like for next year, what are planting acreage is going to look like. And, uh, again, we haven't even talked about the U.S. yet. So, we find ourselves in, in a situation that, I don't know, I think is more and more certain at this point. Uh, the reductions that we saw in the uh, in the crop from, from the, the survey, I think is just the tip of the iceberg. From what I've heard, the crop is late, and it's short, and it's not going to get rain. I mean, I'm looking at models through the 1st of May, and there, there's nothing, not even like a spec called for. Um, and then you get into uh, when their monsoon season starts, all the moisture that sits over Argentina and Brazil traditionally leaves. So they could just have nothing here, and I don't think anybody really knows. I think there's there's a lot of covering that's happening, and, um, you know, I would tell you to sell whole crop if you have it, but, I mean, I would have said that 50 cents ago or a dollar ago. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, at this point, I don't think anybody really has a clue. We've got about 20 seconds here. John, U.S. dollar index continues to hover near that 100-day moving average. Is that playing anything of a factor right now? No, maybe in beans a little bit. You know, this is a corn and a mo- this is a corn move. This isn't a bean move, and this is where bean oil is, is exposed here. But bean meal is not cor- um, really casey wheat to a certain degree is not. Although you got a whole other situation going on in the Black Sea, so there's a lot of a lot of geopolitical risk in, in here. But regardless, corn markets look good here, and I think they'll continue to run up tonight. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter, This Week in Grain. You can learn more about that newsletter at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, drink future options involve risk of loss. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. If you missed anything, catch our Midday podcast sponsored by Divinity Motors on iTunes and the Apple Store or Google Play, or you can also find it at krvn.com.